Amen. We've been going through Ephesians. Believe it or not, we are in week nine. Only six chapters in the book. How many of you know we're getting a lot out of it? And uh, obviously I could probably extend this a number of weeks more, but next week will be the end uh, that we're going to cover through it. Like I said, hope you've enjoyed it, but we've been learning about really our identity in Christ, talking about what does it mean to be a biblical Christian, because we live in a world where there's a lot of confusing voices. Uh, How many of you know even religious voices that don't always agree with somebody else, right? Different churches, no, 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 it's this, it needs to be that. How many of you know we have to have, we do have an unchanging standard, that's God's word, right? The Bible has got to be the standard, like when there's doubt, when there's confusion, we've got to go back to God's Word. And again, everybody's got an opinion. How many of you know there was a day that when people had different opinions, what they actually did was have conversations with other people, and they discussed those uh, opinions out loud, and it's like the good thing about it is that they talked, you listen, you talk, they listen, so it kind of went back and forth. Today, things have changed a little bit, and social media is the primary place people share their opinion, all right? I put it out there. There is the problem with it. Like I said, when you meet somebody face-to-face, there's this give and take. You listen, and you talk, hopefully, right? Because that's what a conversation is, and in the process of doing that, your opinion is shaped by the influence and conversations, even if you disagree with somebody, at least you have an understanding of where they're coming from, what they're talking about, and you work through those issues, right? How many of you know we learn through conversation? The problem with social media is that your primary audience already agrees with you. They're already, uh, if you don't know how social media works, they have algorithms based on the posts that you make, the things that you like, what social media does is make sure that you get what you like. They serve it up to you on a platter. Like, here's the thing, breaking news, 11 facts that support all of your opinions. All right, they're going to give you everything you want based on your opinion. And here's the thing, the more people that agree with you, the more you're going to see those kind of posts on your page. Uh, You're not going to see a lot of the people that disagree with you. And because of that, we come to the conclusion that my opinion must be the right opinion. I'm the one that's right. Uh, how many of you know that's what we call echo chamber uh, communication? Right? It's going out there. What you're basically hearing is your own opinion coming back to you. You shout it out there, and it's like, oh, yeah, all these people like that. And you're like, oh, man, I knew I was right. All right? I knew I was smart. I knew I had it all figured out. Uh, unfortunately, that often leads to anybody that disagrees with you. That happen, person happens to be an idiot. Right? What? How dare you agree with me? Look at all the people that like what I said. Uh, look at the, all these people that are in favor of that. So you must not know what you're talking about, right? So that's happening in America. But how many of you know that's happening in the church as well? Not necessarily our church, of course. It's those other ones out there. But uh, the reality... We have a standard. God's word is decidedly not an echo chamber, is it? The Bible, scripture, it's not designed to reinforce your opinions. It's not designed to, uh, uh, man, this is my tradition. This is what I've always done. It doesn't back that. As a matter of fact, it strongly challenges you in every area of your life. How many of you have found that to be true? Right? Have you ever had an opinion that you had 
and all of a sudden you read a passage and it didn't agree with it? All right, wait a minute. So what happens? Do I either change my opinion and agree with Scripture, or I like, oh no, I, I, I want to I change that. How many of you know a lot of people today, if they read a passage of Scripture that doesn't agree with their opinion, what they do is they twist the Scripture. Oh, it doesn't really mean this. This is what it really means. So we're changing Scripture. As a matter of fact, some cults have actually rewritten the Bible and taken out passages that are contrary to their opinion and changed it with other words. What happens when we do that is that we're not actually following Jesus anymore. We're following our own opinion. Right? God's word has to speak for itself. If you have to say, well, you know what, this really means this, and it doesn't mean that, and it doesn't mean this, and this is what it's really talking about, you're not following Jesus. You may think you are, but you're not. So throughout scriptures, there are clear standards that are presented. There are commands for those that are followers of Christ. And we learn from scripture that, guess what? You're not always going to like what you read. Amen. Anybody ever found that to be true? You're not always going to like it. It's going to challenge you. What, what, Lord, I got to forgive that person? Ah, you know what? But you don't understand. They really did this. And it's like, no, God's word is true. All right? God's word. So here's the deal. When you and the Bible disagree, guess what needs to win? The Bible. Every time, right? Like I said, if it doesn't, then you're going to follow your own, uh, own opinion, wherever it may be. Listen, let me just say this. It's not my desire as a pastor to make anyone mad when I'm eating something because I kind of like to be liked. Anybody like that? I like it when people like me. But can I tell you, uh, we're not going to avoid truth just to make somebody happy, right? We're not going to water something down to make sure people stay at Freedom Church, right? I don't want to say anything controversial. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Uh, my objective as pastor is not to make you happy, Right? But at the same time, it's not to make you mad. I want you to understand that. It is to help you to be holy, to fall in love with Jesus, and to make it to heaven. Right? That's what our job is, right? So here's the thing Paul loved the church, he loved people, but he loved them so much that he actually challenged them in areas that were uncomfortable. They didn't like it. And uh, God's Word, its powerful instructions, teaches how to live biblically. Last week I ended with this passage right here, for you were once darkness, but now you uh, are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. So he's saying, you know what, there was a time you were in darkness, you didn't know what right from wrong was, you thought that was right, you thought that was wrong, uh, that's where you used to be, you lived for yourself, but he's saying, listen, now you are light in the Lord. You live as children of the light. Everybody say, I'm a child of the light. Right? That means I'm not following my old ways. I'm following his way. And so Paul's saying, listen, that's what you are. So now live like it. You're children of the light. It's time to change things. And so he continues that thought and gives us more instructions in verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Now let's just say we've all lived unwise at times. Right? We've all made stupid decisions. We've all, and, and, and sometimes those decisions, I don't know, maybe anyone else like me, like I did something, I thought it was wise at the time, only to find out it was really stupid. Anybody ever do that? All right? Oh, man, all the time, right? It was like, ah, oh, you know what? If I would have just listened to your word, Lord, if I would have just called upon you, then I wouldn't have done 
that stupid thing, whatever it was. So he's saying, don't live as unwise, but live as wise. Uh, if you don't have wisdom, I love this promise out of James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, how many of you know that includes all of us? We don't, none of us has it all figured out. He says, if you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So God is the source of wisdom, right? Not, not, you know, oh, let me just read more books. Let me read this. Let me do that. Let me say, take a public opinion poll. God's the source of women, of women, <laughs> that true, that as well. So, uh, and men, maybe I need a drink of water here. So, uh, if I turn other colors, forgive me. So, uh, Here's the, here's the dictionary definition of knowledge. Well, that's a quotable. So uh, at our last church, we had some people that would take note of things that I said silly, but uh, it happens. Here's the thing. Wisdom, knowledge of what is true or right, but it's coupled with just judgment that leads to action. So what he's saying there, that, that wisdom is more than just knowing the right thing to do. A lot of us know the right thing to do, right? How many of you know we all know how to eat healthy? We just don't all do it, right? We just don't all do it. Wisdom is not just knowing the right thing. It's actually putting that knowledge into action and doing the right thing. Like one of the parables that Jesus told, he says, the wise man built his house on what? On the rock, right? So it's not enough for him just to know, oh, I need to build my house on the rock. No, he had to actually build it. Because he didn't say the wise man knew that he should build his house on the rock, did it? No, he said that he actually did it. So wisdom is putting action to, to the things that you know is right. And God promised to give you that. All we got to do is ask for it. Isn't that awesome? And to, if you're going to ask for God to do that, that means you have to, number one, recognize I don't already know it all. All right? I don't have all the answers. How many of you know that sometimes that takes a little bit of humility? And I believe that there's a lot of people that never get godly wisdom because they never ask for it. They never ask for it because I already got it figured out. Right? I, already got it. I already know what's going on. And let me, can I just say this? Wisdom doesn't come with age either, does it? Right? We'd, we'd like to think it is. Uh, there's a lot of wisdomless uh, younger people and a lot of wisdomless older people right? Uh, uh, lack of wisdom does not uh, looking at age. It's not, you don't just survive years and all of a sudden you become smart, right? It's not like 78, I'm not smart. 79, I'm not smart. 80, boom, all of a sudden I'm wise. I got it figured out, right? How many of you, I mean, okay, I'm not even going there. I said something first service, but uh, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, wisdom only comes for God. And, uh, and I got my keys up here. I have like my house key right here, and I have it designated home so that I don't get it mixed up with all these other ones here. Anybody have that? But how many of you know, whiz, or key unlocks a door, right? And it's a tool that opens that door. But guess what? If I come up to my door and I got my keys in my pocket, I don't actually pull it out. The door does not open up on its own, right? What do I got to do? I got to actually take the key, stick it in the door, turn the lock, and that's what it comes in. So knowledge really is like a key in our life. Wisdom is putting it into action, right? Oh, I got the knowledge of what the right thing to do. Oh, I should build my house on the rock, but wisdom actually puts it in and puts it into practice. 
right? Does that make sense? So Paul is saying, put that knowledge that you have of what's right and what's wrong, put it in action. So that's number one in your notes is that the children of light, we should be wise, right? Not worldly wisdom. Is there a difference between worldly wisdom and God's wisdom? Oh yeah, <laughs> a whole lot. A lot of people think they're wise, but guess what? They're foolish in God's sight. That's what the scripture says. So we want godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. So Paul says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And then uh, verse 16, he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Is that true? Are the days evil today? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've always been, but it seems like there's an increase. Have y'all noticed that? And uh, what does he say? So we're, that's number two is making the most of every opportunity. If we're going to be children of the light, not only do we got to act in wisdom, we've got to realize our days are evil that we're living in and we're surrounded by people that do wrong and then they attack those that do right. Right? That's just a reality. They're, oh, you're doing the right thing. You know what? Oh, you know what? You need to do what we're doing. Listen, these are opportunities that we have. Even evil days have opportunities. Wouldn't you agree? It's not like, oh man, this day's too evil. We can't do anything. Evil days actually, I believe, have more opportunity because the difference between darkness and light is even more evident. Like I've got my flashlight up here. Does that look like a really bright flashlight? Not really, does it? Why? Because look, we got this lights on. We got all these other lights that are on. So it's not very bright. But how many of you know, if we turned off all of the lights in here, made sure we cover up the windows and the windows back there, would that light look a whole lot brighter? Yeah. Absolutely. It'd be the only light you saw. Like everybody's eyes would be focused on that because that's the only light that is there. And, and light is more noticed whenever it's dark. So guess what? He's saying, you are children of the light. So let your light shine. So here's the thing. How many of you guys remember the song from Kids Church? You know, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. What does it goes on to say? Hide it under a bushel? No. <laughs> right? See, we're, we're really just, let's move over into kids' church, right? We want to let our light shine bright. Make the most of every opportunity. And, and listen, we've already talked about this, but tomorrow is October 31st, which is also known as Halloween, right? It's a day celebrated by pagans. Uh, known as the Day of the Dead in some areas. And listen, as Christians, we don't like that, do we? Like, I'm not a fan of uh, pagan celebrations. That's not what we like. But I also know this. It, well, let me just say this. I know a lot of Christians have different views, right? Different convictions about this day. And let me tell you, I'm not here to change anybody's conviction. But I do want to say that we have chosen to make the most of every opportunity. And tomorrow is an opportunity on a very dark day to let our light shine, right? To let people know. A, a day that is dark, we want to shine Jesus. This is a day where possibly hundreds, I don't know how many are going to come, if there's 60, 70 kids, if there's 200 kids with their families that come, guess what? They're actually coming here. Right, And they're going to get an invite to church. That's why we're doing the chili cook-off. That's why we're doing the Freedom's Got Talent. That's why you got to pull out your rusty talent and put it to... Because it's not like, oh, I just want to have fun. We want it to be a day that you can actually invite people and, uh, and they'll enjoy time. And at the same time, they're going to hear about Jesus. Right, So we're wanting our light to shine. Invite them on this day. We don't give any day to the devil, do we? 
oh, it's the devil's day. No, it isn't. The last I checked the Bible, this is the day the Lord has made. All right, so tomorrow morning, that's the day the Lord has made. So we, have, we live in a time of great opportunity. It's not time for Christians to hide in fear. Oh, no, the end, you know, we're living in the last days. If we are, praise the Lord. Right? We've got something to shine. We want to shine our light bright. And let me just say, it's getting darker and darker. That means our light shining brighter and brighter. So don't hide it under the bushel. No, <laughs> no that's right. We're going to let it shine. So here's the thing. I don't think we can waste time. Because honestly, I don't know how much time we got left. We have no idea. I mean, whether it's us personally and our time with the Lord is soon or uh, that the Lord comes back and we all go, right? All of that time is coming since so we want to make the most of every opportunity to do good, make the most of every opportunity to obey Jesus, to share Jesus. And, and I want to say this, to be creative in how we share the Lord, right? There are ways that people shared the Lord with people 20, 30, 40 years ago that today people have kind of built walls up against that. So it's like, okay, Lord, you're a God of creation. You can give me that wisdom on how to share the gospel with people today, right? People, you know, how many of you remember going door to door and, uh, or maybe somebody came to your door at one time, right? How many of you know people have ring doorbells and nobody wants to answer their door to anybody, Come on, let's be honest. And let me just say, some of you guys live in places that nobody's ever even going to find your house anyway. Right, Bob and Marilyn? <laughs> Nobody just happens by their house if you've ever been to their house. So, uh, uh, so, so not that that's a bad way. You can still do that if you can get someone to open the door. But the reality, uh, when somebody comes to our door and I see who it is, you know, I get a little buzz on my phone. I'm like, well, I don't know who that is. <laughs> right? How many of you, anybody else do that? Or is it just me? Yeah, they're probably trying to sell me something, not interested. So, so we have a God that is a creator, and we can say, oh, God, give me wisdom to make the most of this opportunity. Lord, show me how to do that so that I can share Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's go back. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's is. So he's saying, listen, don't, don't jump into immoral things. You've got to live a life of love. And then verse 18, he says, And do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So debauchery is an interesting word, isn't it? Anybody ever used that one lately? Man, you're just living a life of debauchery. We don't even know what that means. It means reckless living, basically. Right? Foolish living. Don't live, you know, drinking uh, ends up living a life of foolishness. Am I right? When people get drunk, and really that's what was going on. Once you get drunk, it's like immorality comes about, self you lose self control, things get wild, out of control, all of that stuff. So he's saying, listen, don't do that. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? Instead, be filled. So that's actually a. Number three in your notes, be filled with the Spirit. This is so important. The, the, the word itself that's saying be filled with the Spirit really translated, it's an ongoing process. He's saying be, keep being filled, right? Ongoing. Not, it's not just a one-time thing. It's not like, oh, man, I got filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1492, right? It's not, it's, uh, we need a fresh touch from God. Anybody else? You need a fresh touch from God on a regular basis. 
We can't just live off of yesterday's touch from the Lord or, you know, last Sunday. Man, it's been a week since I've been in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I hope you get in the presence of the Lord on Monday, right? And on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday because we need that. So being filled, it's more than about speaking in tongues. I believe that that's part of it. But how many realize being spirit-filled means you are constantly being filled with His Spirit, and His Spirit is shaping our actions, the way we act. How many of you know also the way we react to situations in our life? The words that come out of your mouth, I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has put the brakes on words that want to come out of my mouth. Amen? Or, or even our thoughts. Right? Even the thoughts that go on. Living spirit-filled is like, Holy Spirit, you are controlling everything. It's like, I'm not, I don't want to be under the influence of alcohol, God. I want to be under the influence of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen? And so he's saying that's what we need to do. Begin to walk in that. And then Ephesians 19 and 20. Two verses right here that really say a whole lot. He says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Let me just put a pause right there. Uh, hymns is not necessarily the songs that used to be in the books, right? Right? How many of you been, you know, you remember the hymns? Like, oh, I want to sing a hymn. How many of you know they did not have hymn books back in those days? So that's not what it's talking about. But he's saying, you speak to who? One another. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart. That's basically between you and the Lord. And always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Father. Listen, the early church was a singing church. Some people don't always get that. I had a guy that, that he accepted the Lord. He goes, oh, I don't really like that singing part. So he would always come in after that was over, and then he would come in to hear the message. And I'm like, you've got to understand that this is a vital part of your relationship with the Lord. Because when the early church, they came together, yes, they read Scripture, and we're talking about Old Testament because that's what they had. They read the letters from the apostles, and then they sang. That was all incorporated. Uh, I read this from a church historian. It said out of the second century, it said the second century Plinius and Tertullian gave the testimony that singing had always had a great place in church life and worship. Every new movement of the Spirit has brought fresh outbursts of song. Amen. How many of you know that's why over the, the centuries, decades, there's always new songs being written, right? There's always a fresh song that, that God is stirring. Aren't you thankful for that? God is doing that. So let me just say, number four, children of the light, we should sing. They're like, well, I don't really have a good voice about singing. Who cares? I'm not asking you to do a solo. We're singing together. We're putting our voices together. And so uh, those two verses really had three different aspects of worship that I want to cover today. And uh, you guys can come up. The first one is singing to God. Right? This is what we would call vertical worship. This is between me and God. And it's songs that we would sing like, uh, Great is thy faithfulness. Right? Oh, Lord, our Father, I love you, Lord how great thou art. Uh, this is worship that's talking to God, and it's expressing to him your devotion, uh, your gratitude, your thanksgiving. It's where you declare his greatness and your allegiance to him, uh, following the biblical pattern where we lift up his name. Amen? And, and let me just say, every Sunday, Pastor Colleen and I, we're praying on the way to church, and we're saying, oh God, we're, we're just praying that you would be lifted up and your presence would be here. Amen? So we're going to not just talk about this. 
each one of these areas, we're going to actually, so they're not singing a song to demonstrate, they're singing the song that we should enter in. So this is a, these are next couple of songs are songs that we're singing to God. So I want to encourage you guys to, to, if you can stand and let's just take a moment and worship and ask God to fill this place. Amen. He's already here. But...
you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. See, those are songs we're singing directly to him. Lord, we just thank you. We honor you. We lift up the Lord. We declare his glory, for he alone is worthy. And as we sing those, I mean, there, how many of you just sense there's a presence of the Lord that comes in when we do that? I believe God like just descends. Even, even as we're doing this in the middle of a message, how many of you know it's not like, oh, you, it's only the first part of the service? No, throughout the whole time. The other types of songs that we sing are songs that we sing to each other. And you're like, well, I don't know. I haven't sung a song to each other. But songs that we lift to the Lord that are actually encouraging other people. How about songs like What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Right? As we're singing that, you're not really singing to God. You're singing more about God. But it's an encouragement to those that are around. Because remember the scripture said, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to each other. And I know we don't always think about that or like blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Others that are listening, these are the songs about him. They declare things about who God is. They declare what he's done, what he can do. And, and let me just say, it's, I believe it's faith building. How about a song like, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus? Or Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. So all of those things are, are songs that we're focusing and, and bringing people into his presence. So we're just going to take a minute and uh, give a, a, a couple of examples, but let's sing to each other and to the Lord as we uh, sing these next couple songs.
hang out in that for a while. How about you guys? May his favor be upon you. He is for you. I don't know who needed to hear that today, but I believe it wasn't just... I was talking, thinking about different songs, and uh, Pastor Timothy was like, how about this? I feel like this is a good one, and I'm like, that was for somebody here today. You see the power of that, that when we sing to each other these songs, and this is scripture, right? This song is scripture. And we're singing that to others. How many of you know sometimes there are songs, they don't necessarily line up with Scripture, right? Let me just say, there's some bad theology in some of the songs, not just new songs. How many of you know even some of the old classic hymns have some horrible theology? I'm not going to bust you out on which ones they are because you'll be like, well, it's one of my favorites, right? So, uh, uh, so I'm not going there. But I want to tell you there's great value to worship because it does instruct us. Right, You're going to walk out. That song they just sang, The Blessing, that was all scripture right there. And it's like, wow, you're going to remember that. He is for me. May his favor be upon you. Amen? We learn through music. Amen? How many of you know kids learn their ABCs? How? Right. How do they do it? How's that go? B, C, D. Okay, we don't have to sing the whole thing. You're like, oh, man, I didn't know I'd sing ABCs in church, right? But uh, here's the thing. You can easily remember things more when it's set to music. And, and I shared this uh, back, way back when I was in Bible college. I didn't know a lot of Scripture. Certainly didn't know the books of the Bible. But we took a, uh, everybody was required to take a class called New Testament Survey. And uh, in that class, on the test, he told you from the beginning, you're going to have to write out the whole books of the New Testament in order. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, there's 27 of them. How am I going to remember and get them, not get them all mixed up? Well, I happened to be dating a girl that uh, had a song of the New Testament books. That was Colleen, Pastor Colleen. So uh, she taught the song, but then other people were like, what? Teach me the song too. Everybody wanted to know the song so that they could remember the New Testament books. And I still remember it. And uh, she was here in the first service and sang it with me, but I'm going to do it by myself. But it goes something like this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts and Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus and Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. So... Uh, I learned the New Testament books as a 20-year-old uh, by a song, and I told this was a funny thing. So came day for the test, and in the class, we're all right in there, and all of a sudden you hear across the room, <laughs> as people are taking the test, right? So there's something powerful about music, am I right? We're singing to each other. There's power. And the third one is singing to ourselves worship as a self-encouragement. 
Has anybody ever done that? You sing a song, and it's like encouraging, and, and, uh, and it's to God. I mean, it could be uh, uh, Waymaker, right? How many of you know that? You know, Miracle Keeper or, or Do It Again. All of these, there's so many different songs that we can sing that really encourage you. And I do this on a regular basis. I'll be in my worship time, and God will put a song on my heart, and I'll, uh, I'll, sometimes I'll pull it up on YouTube because it sounds better than me, but... Uh, and, and just encouraging. So uh, we're going to do another couple songs. Are you guys okay with that? All right.
desire, Lord, just to be in your presence, Lord, to be at your feet. Lord, as we sing that song, Lord, it's an echo of our heart, oh God. Thank you, Lord. You say you, you guys can have a seat. We got one more song coming a little later, but I want we sing to remind ourselves about God, right, about his help, and uh, uh, we might repeat the same words over and over, right, so we don't forget. And uh, worship, it's a way to remember, to encourage ourselves. And can I just say, I, I want to hit this because there's sometimes contention in a church over old songs versus new songs. Nobody here has ever heard that, right? Uh, but when I hear people criticize, uh, whether it's an older song, oh, that song's so old. It's like, did you notice that each one of those, I had an older song and a newer song? Or he, Right. Because there's older songs and new songs that fall in all of those categories because I believe it's all inspired by the Holy Spirit, yeah. whether it's old or new. And then sometimes people get critical, oh, that song's way too repetitive, right? I hear this joke out there. It's like, oh, that's one of those 7-Eleven songs. How many of you heard that? You have seven words repeated 11 times, <laughs> right? And, and they want to criticize it because they don't want to sing, hell lost another one and I am free seven times, right? Uh, but you know what? There's power in repetition, and uh, when you hear somebody want to get critical about repetition, all we got to do is go back and start singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. How many of you know? And we, it, it goes on, right? Same word. How many of you know that's repetitive, right? And then the, and sometimes you can change it up. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. So there's nothing wrong with being repetitive. We have always been that way. As I'll, let me give you, take you back to an even older song. And I'm going to encourage you to uh, read along with me. Psalms 136. I'm going to read a part, and then I got your part highlighted in yellow, okay? So uh, we're going to go through this whole thing. I really need some participation, okay? So just follow along. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Wait a minute, I'm going to stop right now. Notice the power you had in that first time, okay? Keep that same energy up, or it can increase. So, give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by His understanding made the heavens. His love Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights? His love endures forever. The sun to govern the day. His love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. His love endures forever. And brought Israel out among them. His love endures forever. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And brought Israel, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. Who to him who led his people through the desert? Who struck down great kings? Who killed mighty kings? Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Basham. And gave their land as an inheritance, his love forever. an inheritance to his servant Israel, his love to the one who remembers us in our low estate, and freed us from our enemies, his who gives food to every creature, his give thanks to the God of heaven. His that was it right there. So, uh, uh, I thought there was more coming along, but that was it. So here's the thing. What do you remember most about that psalm? Exactly. So we learned through repetition. And uh, so we got another song. Pastor Timothy and, uh, and uh, Christina and Stephanie are going to sing a modern-day version of Psalms 136. And uh, you, most of you know this song. Uh, but if you see, if we read the song, it's got a lot of these same words. It doesn't have all of them. We're not... Uh, King and killing the king of God. Uh, Go, that's not in there. Uh, <laughs> but you'll notice other parts of it are. So we got another song here. Let's uh, stand up and sing. Yeah. 
so much singing today, huh? God is faithful. I, listen, sometimes we sing in church because we need it. Sometimes it's the person next to us needs it. But how many of you know we always sing because God deserves it? Amen. And, and let me just say, it's not about, oh, I got to worship so that I can feel good or to get my emotional uplift. Uh, how many of you know if we treat worship and we turn music into just that, then we're treating it like a spiritual energy drink so that it can hit me when I, you know, I'm low, I need to go, I need to get my worship on, right? That does happen. We do get that boost. But I mean, it should be more of a, I just need to be in God's presence, right? It's not just about lifting me up because here's the reality. When we lift up God, how many of you know he lifts us up? <laughs> it's not about me. Oh, I got to build myself. I got to do it. I got to get myself there in that position. No, we need to lift him up and know that God is lifting us up. Amen. So uh, I, I know the world, the world doesn't have good songs, does it? I mean, it, it, they're sad songs, sad songs, say so much. I know all of that stuff, right? But uh, our songs are full of joy, right? They have, it's something that we're looking for because guess what? Psalms 136, his love endures forever. I hope you walk out here knowing that today. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord God. Thank you that we can sing to you, oh God. Father, I thank you for uh, the many songs that have been written over the decades, over the centuries, Lord God, that honor you. Lord, may we learn to worship you no matter what song, Lord God, because it's all about you. Father, it's not about style. It's not about what I like, what I don't like, Lord God. It's all about you. And so, Father, we just thank you. And as we commit this time to you, Lord God, we just want to honor you. In Jesus' name.